Welcome to the Short Funk Podcast. I'm Tom Barbele, and today, well, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I'm recording this one hot, folks. The day today is April 23rd, and I plan on releasing this on April 24th. Most of the time I record these in big chunks, like five or six in a row, and I'm going to do that this evening as well. But this one I'm recording live, and I'd like to remind folks that we have a Facebook page. And the Facebook page is the way to contribute ideas, thoughts about the daily topics, things you'd like me to talk about, all this kind of stuff through Facebook. The easiest way to do it, go to the Short Funk website, which is shortfunk, or one word, dot com, and click on the Facebook page link and join up and become part of the discussion associated with the Short Funk podcast. Also, my wife is working on a logo for Short Funk. My hope is that the logo will be out in about a week's time. If you put off telling your friends about the Short Funk podcast because of the crappy logo, I understand. Nothing personal. However, it will improve, and if folks are familiar with the Model Rail Radio logo, that's all Mrs. Bradley, ladies and gentlemen, so I'm looking forward to quite a snappy logo. The topic today is inspired by Casey Neistat's video blog. Casey Neistat is creating a startup. This is an experience that I had pretty well ad nauseum from age about 19 through to age about 24, when I decided to get out of the whole startup thing. The classic line that you hear when you join a startup, and I've even recited it as part of a startup, is, I can't talk about the startup now. There are things I can't talk about because you've hired some patent attorney who's designed to screw you out of as much money as possible, give you a minimum amount of benefit, and they're telling you you can't talk about your technology until you've filed about between twenty dollars and $40,000 worth of legal paperwork, of which about three quarters is the attorney's fees. Well, that's the way people usually kind of frame their first startup, second startup, maybe their third startup, but eventually if they're smart enough, you know, fool me once, twice, three times, you start to realize that actually there are a wide variety of ways of developing technology companies, and you can develop an IP strategy. That stands for an intellectual property rights strategy. And I have a little bit of background in this because I am the chair of the International Game Developers Association Intellectual Property Rights Special Interest Group, which features a number of lawyers, a number of independent game developers, a number of folks that actually work in game development companies, a number of folks that have gone through a number of game development companies, and quite frankly, the wealth of information associated with surviving on IP issues there, pretty well untouchable. Here's my model. I don't use lawyers. Don't pay lawyers. Can't be bothered. When people come to me and try to threaten litigation and they have lawyers, it's a waiting game. The one success that I've had with this with regards to a curious piece of intellectual property rights was associated with my project, Noble Ape's original name, which was Nirvana. It was originally called the Nirvana Project. N-E-R-V-A-N-A dot com. Had the domain name from about 1996. And then mysteriously in... I was working for Ericsson at the time, so it must have been 2001, maybe end of 2001. I was contacted by a fellow who'd left Microsoft with the express purpose of creating his company called Nirvana. Had exactly the same misspelling as my Nirvana.com, and he needed the Nirvana domain name. And I said to him, sure, it'll be $60,000. And he said, I'm not paying that. And then he tried a wide variety of strange intellectual property wranglings with the fact that he was filing trademarks and doing a wide variety of other things it's a little thing called use in commerce. And early on, I'd gotten a grant from the Australian Film Commission in order to develop a CD, CD-ROM associated with Nirvana, which I sold in stores. My use in commerce dates back to, I think, 1997, documented accounts of that, even a record at the US Copyright Office. 
ladies and gentlemen, it was sewn up. So I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited. And he sent a few people, and he tried calling, and he tried a wide variety of techniques. There's an article, actually, in the Pugent Sound Business Journal, I think. Uh, if you search for nirvana.com Pugent Sound Business Journal, you'll actually find the article, where they talk about the trials and tribulations that this poor man had trying to get this domain name from me, and how horrible it was that I had my open source project attached to this domain name. And it went on for about... Three years. Finally, after he'd wasted all his time and a good portion of his money, he approached me and I said, sure, domain name, $60,000. He said, well, I don't have that money. And I said, okay, pay me $6,000 now and in six months' time, raise the money and come back with $60,000 and you can have the domain name. Nirvana.com at that time was worth $66,000. And I got the money and we moved back to the US and everything was very happy, come Barbalay. And who knows what happened to him? Actually, I do know what happened to him. He's now, I think, a senior project manager at Amazon. Never really got that whole project off the ground with the Nirvana domain name. It was based on a whole lot of, like, really quite curious technology based in XML, which I guess everyone at the time thought was particularly exciting. Well, you can use XML for podcasts. I find that exciting. So the moral of the story is don't listen to intellectual property rights lawyers. Listen to people who've worked with intellectual property rights lawyers and don't employ them anymore. And if you're interested in the trick of how to create a startup where you don't need to pay IP lawyers a vast sums of money, there are a wide variety of open source models, but the best possible way is to move technology fast. If you're fast on your feet, you can beat any form of IP obstacle. And of course, you may have some trade secrets, you might have some operating elements, you might file copyrights periodically. Mm, I have mixed feelings of copyrights. But the patent thing, you need between 3 and $5 million to protect a patent. So you spend, you know, twenty to 40000 up front, depending on how you're feeling. Maybe even more now. It's probably closer to 100000 now. And then you've got to fork out three to $5 million when, you know, you get some spurious, frivolous thing, because, of course, your lawyers are going to advise you to use your lawyers. And, um, yeah, so the funny thing associated with the Nevada domain name, and I'm probably not going to editorialize this in the near future, but my experience with lawyers, in particular IP lawyers, cost me about, mm, yeah, somewhere in the order of between twenty and $30,000 through my experiences. So to get $66,000 back through not using any lawyers and just waiting it out and understanding my rights and occasionally writing to you know various US bodies just to indicate that uh, what they were being told was not actually the case, kind of works out. I don't know. It's difficult to always this kind of 2020 thing about how you should approach these kind of things. But I think the worst possible mistake you can make if you ever create a startup is to rely on your IP attorneys to give you any form of strategic advice. Because ultimately their strategy is getting paid, not having you succeed. And they'll continue to get paid whether you succeed or not. So, Tom Barbalay in San Jose, signing up.